This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg with a, with a really bad cold. I've never heard of a good cold, but uh, this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokotlela. Welcome to you, Lions. Thank you very much, Gary. Hello to our podcasters and to our guests today. What a beautiful day it is. It's Tuesday. Yep. Lines, forgive my cold, but uh, I, I guess you'll make out what I've tried to say. Certainly. Do you know that the biggest lie on the internet is, I've read and agreed to the terms and conditions. <laughs> and we all know that none of us ever read those tedious T's and C's. And if you did, Lines, you'd probably spend half your life poring over legal jargon, Ooh. most of which is, is completely unintelligible. Certainly. So where are these T's and C's? Uh, well, most of them are hidden somewhere on the Internet in fine print, and we don't really know or really care, do we, where. But one thing is for certain, T's and C's do apply. T's and C's apply, T's and C's apply, T's and C's, T's and C's apply, T's and C's apply, T's and C's, T's and C's apply, T's and C's apply, T's and C's apply, T's and conditions apply, apply, apply. Season, season, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this is so dope. That's why Stefan, I don't yeah. know where he made that from, but uh, yeah. Lines, the question we're going to answer today is how valid are these buried T's and C's? And very often there are very onerous provisions tucked away, uh, certain terms and conditions which could result in you being caught with your pants down. Yeah, SCDC caught with your pants down. <laughs> uh, DJ Gary, I wonder where you get your music from, but yeah. Yeah, yeah lads, uh, many of these mouth-watering offers to us consumers are subject to T's and C's, as you all know. And uh, we don't really know about or actually read them. And as a result, Lines, they present a potential minefield to us consumers. Joining us in studio today to explain what we should look out for is a man called Sergio DeSantos. Welcome to you, Sergio. Hi, Gary. Hi, Lionel. How are you? Well, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Good. Yeah. Our partner today, Legal Talk South Africa, with its membership of 191,560. Something like that. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Let's introduce Lines, our guest, in a little more detail. He's Sergio DeSantos. He's a candidate attorney with prestigious law firm Weber Wenzel. Ooh. Yeah. Now listen to this. Mm -hmm. He was top student at the Northwest University, obtaining both. This is a double cum laude. Obtaining both his BCom in law and LLB degrees cum laude. And I think you're a boyke from Clarksdorp, is he? Yes. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> Congrats. You know who's also from Clarksdorp was uh, John Burks. If oh, yes. uh, you guys are a bit too young for that. Do you remember he was on 702? Yes, he was yeah. uh, yeah, an icon he, there. He was a, le- he was a yeah. brilliant man. He used to say all the boykies from uh, Clarksdorp. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you know of John Burks or is it before? Your dad would know. Um, I'm not sure. If my dad, yeah, he, yeah. he might know. So you're a candidate attorney at really prestigious law firm. How did you get that job? Was it uh, tough or... 
Uh, yeah, it's it's not easy to get in, um, mm. but it, I guess I might have been lucky or might have well, just your been marks, supposed to be there. Yeah, your marks probably got you through. Uh, yeah. Actually, not really. Hey. It's more of balancing it out, you know, enjoying life, showing them that you can be a person. I think that's more <laughs> what helped me get in than <laughs> just the marks. Okay, so Sergio, you've written, and I've read your article, that at times there are some really all these mouth-watering promotional offers which often carry with them some onerous provisions tucked away under the banner T's and C's. Now, these 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 very T's and C's catch us off guard. Uh, give us some examples of where we where we find these T's and C's, especially with uh, cell phone offers. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, talk to us about what's going or data. Talk to us about that. Well, Gary, a good example can be found in situations with internet service providers where they offer you a very mouth-watering offer of, you know, uncapped internet at a certain speed um, at a very good price per month. But in the offer, they don't tell you especially, listen, this is subject to certain T's and C's which you need to know about, such as a fair usage policy. Um, Now, fair usage policies are basically where your internet usage, your speed gets reduced after you've reached a certain amount of data yeah. that you've used in that month. And your speed gets reduced dramatically. And very often they don't put this in the promotion itself. And what happens is that when people see this promotion, they'll go to the internet service provider and they'll say, oh, listen, I want to take up this contract. Please sign me up. Yeah. And then halfway through the month, they realize, oh, but my speed's been reduced dramatically. And when they phone in, only then do they realize, oh, listen, my, 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 there's a fair usage policy that applies and I've signed to it. I've agreed to it. T's and C's apply. But sorry, no, get, go ahead, Lance. I just yeah. wanted to find out within, do we conclude that contract as people meeting, uh, like in law, it's, there's something called meeting of the minds. Would we simply say that there was meeting of the minds because the one party knew of the terms and conditions, but they never actually disclosed them? To the table of knowledge And then the other party Failure to actually understand The terms and conditions Gotten into a contract Without fully understanding The pros and the cons Of that contract May I take that question A little further lines Yeah Okay The question is Is it a defense For a consumer to say He never saw those T's and C's And Mm. uh, they should have been Brought to his attention Well firstly I think we should just point out That generally in our law And you know the courts have, um, uh, Have agreed on this Is that when a consumer buys something from a supplier, you know, or enters into an agreement with the supplier, he holds himself bound to all the terms when he signs that or when he actually physically pays it. And the reason for that is, is that there's a, a, a principle in our law which holds that when you sign this agreement, you bound by all the terms irrespective if you knew of it. And a lot, it, that catches a lot of people off guard because there's an argument now, but if this term is unfair, yeah. how can I be bound by it? Mm. And, in recent developments, there's been a few um, defenses that have arisen now. And, and one, for example, is if a consumer can show to a court, for example, that the supplier half misled me in that I did not really know I was signing or what was exactly in the agreement. Mm. The courts have taken the view that if the supplier knew that there was a term in this agreement that would affect the decision of the consumer, what happens then is that the court requires that supplier to show the consumer this term and to explain it to him. And only then, if the consumer agrees, then the consumer might be bound by it. And this is furthered by a law, um, a law expert, Christie, where she says that if the term is so unusual, um, so unusual in certain standard form agreements, like when you go to a, um, 
a service uh, a, a service dealer for your motor vehicle and they force you to sign their standard T's and C's. But there's in that T's and C's is a term that's very unusual that's not usually there. Mm. The courts have again, and the Supreme Court of Appeal has agreed with this, that in a case called Mercutius Motors versus Lopez. Now, in this case, a guy took his car to a dealer so that the dealer can affect certain repairs to it. But what happened was he had to sign a certain T's and C's, which is standard form, and they told him it's standard form. But then when he signed it, he left his car there, and inside these T's and C's was an exemption clause. Now, these clauses, ex- you know, prohibit you from claiming from the supplier. In other words, if your car's stolen while whilst it's at the garage, those kind of exclusions? Yeah, yeah. So, it's a, it excludes, yeah. so for example, yeah. they will say that we are not liable if your car gets damaged or stolen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so what happened then was his I car mean, was stolen. A, you don't expect that to be found when you take your car for a service, do you? And sorry, another thing, when you park your car in a shopping center in a mall, you don't expect there to be an exclusion saying if your car's stolen, they're not responsible. No, anymore. exactly. You expect your car to be safe. There's Absolutely. a reasonable expectation. Especially with the security that they're employing. These are what they call ticket cases, aren't they? The old-fashioned ticket cases? Actually, no. Ticket cases, yeah. what happened there was people would buy tickets to go to concerts, for example. And along with these tickets come certain T's and C's. And then mm. when you buy the ticket, you say, I, I agree to not hold the supplier liable if something gets stolen. Yes. Um, and then what happened was the court said that generally with ticket cases, you are bound by the T's and C's when you enter in there. And then oh. came the two defenses, that, as we mentioned now, for example, with showing that you've been misled by the supplier, that they didn't explain it to you. And in this Supreme Court of Appeal case, the court agreed that y- you need to sh- show this onerous term to the, the, the consumer, then explain it to him, and then only if he agrees to it. Okay, so let's bound. stop for a second. You're saying that is, there's an obligation on the supplier to show and explain it to you. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, uh, there's a definite obligation. Uh, in my opinion, though, when you look at, for example, the Consumer Protection Act and this yeah. case law, yeah. it definitely they, they, it could be argued strongly that a supplier definitely might have an obligation to, to, to show this and explain this to the consumer. Okay, so what happens if I'm purchasing something on the net? No, no, I'm not no. talking to anyone. I'm just doing it myself. Yeah, it's like, yeah. That's that's like a contract of sale kind of thing. So yeah. you agreeing when you pay that purchase price that you agree to that company's T's and C's, and that's what the ticket cases say. That when you pay for that price, you agree to their T's and C's. Especially when there's something hidden in there that is onerous, that is not fair. What are you saying? That it should have been po- it should be in the main body of the of the contract, or should is it okay in the in the T's and C's? So, um, Gary, I think. I think it should be put in the main body yeah. of the advert itself, not in the T's and C's, mm. because what consumers see is the main body. They don't generally go read through the T's and C's, and if there's something that they need to know, mm. they should be shown it in the body of the of the advert. I agree with that, mm. absolutely. Yes, so let's take a data contract. You saying that the the very offer that's that's important should be in the body, as you mentioned earlier, the facts of that particular one. It should have been in the body and not. That you, that would be a what, what did you call it a slow of the of the service, um, yeah. So it's a fair usage policy, yes. Um, and when it reduces the speed of the service, I think, in my opinion, you know, when you when you when you interpret the law as it is now, yeah. that they should put it in the body of the advert, not everything, but you know, in a, in a way that everybody would understand. What happens if I'm one of those poor consumers that has been caught by this? What is my what, what is my right? So, unfortunately, there's nothing, there's nothing much right now in our law that consumers, our law as it stands is that they should accept it. But 
we have now the Consumer Protection Act, which yeah. requires you, which requires suppliers to make certain disclosures, to say certain things in their adverts to their consumers, to make sure that they are protected and their rights are enforced. And this now provides certain remedies to consumers. So, for example, if you look at Section 34, um, it will tell you that, you know, any discount, the nature of that discount, for example, if the discount has been limited or that needs to be brought to the attention of the consumer in a clear manner. And reading of that on its own would, in my opinion, show you that it needs to be put in the advert on its own in some such a way that they understand that, okay, there's a discount, but this discount is capped or it only applies to certain products or, you know, in my opinion, that's how that that's how it would apply with the advert. Um, but there's also, in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, it it prohibits suppliers from marketing their goods in a way that's unfair to consumers. Section 48. Section 48, yes. Yeah. So Section 48, but what that basically means is if there's an advert in a, in a, in a, and that advert doesn't show the consumer a risk that he would reasonably be aware of, it would be unfair to the consumer because he's expecting something, but he's actually getting something else. Mm, yes. So in my opinion, when interpreting those two pieces of legislation, you need to show this, or the supplier might have to show in his advert that, listen, it might be unfair. And, and, and this is when they have to come in and use their own you know, common sense and think about it. Would this be unfair if I was the consumer mm. had I not known about this? And then that's where Section 9 starts to come into, 49 comes into play of the Consumer Protection Act, where... Section 49 requires that you, if there's a, a clause or a notice on a wall that has a risk that would be put on the consumer that he would not normally be aware of when entering into agreement. Like you said, Gary, when parking at a supermarket mm-hmm. or when you're buying internet and they say uncapped for the speed, you don't expect it to be limited. Yeah. So that risk, Section 49 says it needs to be made clear to the consumer in plain language. Now, plain language, the consumer protection says it's any language that a normal, ordinary consumer would know Mm -hmm. and understand uh, um, just reading the advert itself without considering additional stuff such as T's and C's. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Section 41, which I think is quite quite an important section for for purposes of this discussion, um, which should be read with everything else, says that Goods cannot be marketed in such a way that it would mislead a consumer as to a material fact. Now, that's what the Act says, a material fact or omit a material fact. And now, Gary, I think a material fact would be the price of something a consumer wants to pay, for example. Or when you enter into an agreement with an internet service provider for internet use, a material fact is if your speed is going to be limited, it, it could affect your decision to actually buy the stuff. Absolutely. And in my opinion, when you read all these things together, there's a strong argument that can be made, but the law is open to all forms of interpretation. But I think there's a strong argument that can be made now um, in a court that can say, listen, you should have told me this. You should have explained this mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should have been given time to grapple with this. Mm-hmm. But the problem then comes in, you know, the time aspect of, when you go to give your car in for a service, you know, you don't have time to consider it. So they need to explain it to you so that you can understand what you're getting yourself into. And only then if you agree to it, yeah, then you should be bound by it. But if not, if they don't explain it to you, then I, I think that you shouldn't be bound by certain terms and conditions. Mm. But the rest you should be bound by. Let's tr- um, There's a, f- a famous case, forgive my cold, there's a famous case, the gadget shop versus fun sale. You know that offhand? Yes, yeah, the Advertising Standards Authority. Let's, let's talk about the Advertising Standards Authority and how that case came about. So, 
firstly, if you're not a member of the Advertising Standard Authority as a business, you, you won't be bound by their code of conduct that they have, which you know forces you, or not forces you, but it, it's a guideline for how you should advertise. Mm-hmm. And they've also made certain rulings on unfair advertising. Now, the gadget shop was a case of where the store had offered a certain promotional offer to customers of a 30% discount on selected goods. But the problem with the, the advert that the ASA found was that the selected goods phrase was very small and written in gray and no, and it was in a spot that no normal person would see. Mm-hmm. So what happened was a Mr. Van Sale, who was the complainant, went and he complained to the ASA and said, listen, this is not fair. I didn't know about this and I bought these goods. I, I, want to have my discount or be refunded. Mm-hmm. And ASA agreed. Um, unfortunately, their code of conduct doesn't say exactly how this must be dealt with, but they refer to a specific clause. And I think if people go into their website, it's quite accessible. And you go to the code of conduct and there's a clause 4.2.1, I think. Um, it says that in section two, it says that they cannot market their goods in such a way that it, where they give a statement or omit a certain fact that it is likely to mislead a consumer. Mm-hmm. And if you put in something a small gray font or if you exclude it completely and I see a 50% discount on a sale, I expect to get my full 50% discount to my sale mm. or as would any consumer and it couldn't confuse anybody. And the ASA found that, that it, it has to be clear and it has to be explained. And the ASA, although not binding on non-members, it provided a guideline now for everybody to argue, you know, in situations such as this, and they've gave the ASA gave a guideline saying that if any reasonable person reads this advert and sees from this advert, listen, I don't understand, I'm being misled, mm-hmm. then they cannot be held bound by that disclaimer that they put in small gray font. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, if if the advert is if the T's and C's are excluding certain products from the advert, which I think happened in Gadget Shop, yes. Um, they are prevented now from excluding it because they kind of misled the consumer to think, to believe that he would get the gadget he wanted. Yeah, no, exactly. There was so, sorry, what is the effect of that, that you could you can walk into that store and say, listen, I want that gadget, even if they've excluded it, mm. I want it? I'm, sure, I'm not sure how that would apply. I think maybe that would be open to interpretation. But I think, for example, I know of a, a similar situation. I can give you an example that's almost similar to the gadget shop case mm-hmm. um, of where I saw uh, a company offered a promotion of 50% sale on the next four purchases of all their customers. Mm. But in their T's and C's, and it wasn't in the advert, but in the T's and C's, they kept that discount to 100 Rand. So consumers would go in and they would buy items for 600 Rand, 500 Rand, expecting to get, you know, 300 Rand discount, 250 Rand discount. But then what happened was they didn't get that full amount because it was kept in the T's and C's to 100 Rand. Yeah. Now the case was never decided. Because it never went to the ASA. But if you look at what the gadget shop, the effect would be that they should either get a refund mm. if they claim it or get the full discount mm. on the items that they uh, purchased. But the company can you know, cover themselves, in my opinion. It would be safer to do so if you say in your advert clearly selected goods or you know it's capped to 100. But they don't want to do that. They, they actually deliberately, I think, are to mislead the consumer. And I think that's what's happening. I, I, I don't want, maybe not misleading in a sense, but I think maybe it's a marketing tool. I mean, you need to, they, they need to get in sales. Yeah. So I think in a way it's, and you can't have too much in certain adverts. It costs money to have for words in adverts and in print and on TV. Mm. So I think it's a, it was a form of a marketing tool, but I do think that suppliers need to be a bit 
more cautious, uh, in my opinion, of what they put in exactly, just so to cover themselves from unnecessary claims such as the gadget shops. What about the poor consumer who who's not got what he wanted? He bought data and it's capped and this and that and it's not exactly what he expected to get. What's his rights? Well, I think if you consider the Consumer Protection Act itself yes. and what we just spoke about now, mm. although there's nothing, there hasn't been a case yet I th- that definitively deals with this issue, I think he would be able to either go and claim a refund or claim that they shouldn't apply this particular T&C to his his contract for for, for fair usage policy if they didn't explain it to him. Can you imagine in in practice, really, you go to a a telco and you say, listen, uh, you promised me this and I didn't get this and uh, therefore I want my money back or therefore whatever. He's going to get absolutely nowhere. Do you agree with me? Yes. Yeah. No, I, 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 in practice, it never happens. You usually go and they will say, no, sorry, T's and C's apply. And I think yeah. you, what you will have to do is, I think because it's advertising, I think it will be first to go through to the Advertising Standards Authority. And now that the Advertising Standards Authority have got – cases now that have found on similar situations they should go there and they say listen I feel that this advert was not fair uh-huh. um, in that X, Y and Z and I want either my money back or they should give me my full internet but I, I don't think the full internet will be given to you so I think the, the refund option is more more possible. Yeah, I think these suppliers should be taken to task on these lines. Certainly yeah. uh, because a lot of people are actually constantly complaining especially when it comes to uh, getting loans that they don't, don't necessarily understand their terms and conditions in mm-hmm. some cases given this uh, topic we've been getting people complaining about their contract with regard to their uh, cell phones as well as their data mm-hmm. so there's still a lot of miseducation that is actually uh, left for us to actually uh, sort of like bridge it, and mm. which is good that we're actually talking to somebody who can actually break it down just so that people can actually understand it. So, Joe, let's talk about what we call exemption clauses. That's very interesting. There's, there's an, uh, a latest case of Naidu versus Birchwood Hotel, I think yes, it is. Yes, yes. What's all that about? Okay, so um, an exemption clause, as we said just now, is a clause where people put in their T's and C's and say, listen, you can't hold me liable if something gets stolen or if you get hurt on my premises. Mm-hmm. You will see it in, in a lot of companies when you walk into their stores, they've got a big board that says, you know, you cannot hold us liable for any theft. Now, what happened in this case was this, uh, this Naidu went to Birchwood Hotels and he tried to leave the property after just to go out and he saw the gate wasn't working. And then he, when he went to go to the gate to see what was wrong, he saw the gate was jammed and it fell on him. Mm-hmm. Then he wanted to claim he was, from he Birchwood. Was seriously injured, if yes. I yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he, you know, he, he told Birchwood, "I tell us, listen, um, can you please, uh, you know, pay me back? You've hurt me a lot, and it's on your premises, and it's your fault." Yeah. And they said, "No, sorry, you signed our register when you came in here, and you agreed to this exemption clause that we cannot be held liable." It was printed on the back of the hotel register, yes. or something like that. Yes, even, I mean, it wasn't even something he would see in the normal course. Yeah, because it was at yeah. the back. He yeah. just signed it and went to his room, and they didn't they didn't show it to him. I mean, what was the exemption clause that we're not liable if you get hurt yes, on our premises? That that, that 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 exact phrase. That's the exemption clause, and then by paying or going into the property of your own free will or signing the registers in this case, you agree to not hold them liable. That's mm. the basic effect of it. Mm. But this specific case, but it, this specific case was decided before the Supreme Court of Appeal. Yes. Uh, before, before the, 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 the Consumer Protection Act came into force. And the court there said that this clause is unfair because it's preventing this guy from going to a court and claiming money back to which he's entitled to. Because if, for example, Birchwood 
had not put in the pre- proper safety measures in place or maintained their gate properly or notified their guests, listen, there is a problem with the gate. Please be careful. Mm. Then, then they wouldn't have been out liable, but they, but they didn't. And the court found that you, it's unfair to enforce this clause on Naidu because he can't approach a court. I guess mm. an exemption clause should not be binding if it would result in what we call an injustice, which yes. is what this was about. Yes, yeah. exactly that. It, yeah. The injustice was he couldn't claim his money, uh, his money for his injuries. Yeah. Um, but I think. Under the, in my opinion, under the Consumer Protection Act now, exa- with exactly what we've just discussed, mm. I think that exemption clauses should firstly be brought to the attention of people like what happened to Naidu. They should tell him, listen, if this happens, oh, it's it's unlikely you you go and check into a hotel and they're going to say, hey, if you get hurt here, then we're not liable. I mean, you check out immediately. Why will I get hurt? No, exactly. Yeah. And um, I actually read an interesting article the other day. Um, from a lecturer in, in the Western Cape. I think it was at the Western, uh, University of the Western Cape. And he said that with this now, give, uh, letting them know mm. that surely, yeah, it, it covers the supplier, but the problem is it takes away with one hand by giving the other. So in other words, it takes away from the supply, from the consumer saying, listen, but now, because you've explained this to me, mm. I can no longer claim from you. Mm. But then he goes on and section 48 that we just, uh, just discussed, unfair, unreasonable and unjust terms in a consumer agreement actually should not be enforced. And this author, and I I agree with him, argues that this should not be enforced because exemption clauses, firstly, they force a consumer to say, listen, I agree, I'm not going to hold you liable. I waive my right, my legal constitutional right to go to a court or forum and claim from you Mm. if something was your fault Mm. in that you were negligent. And Further, it says that if you agree in the Consumer Protection Act, Section 48 says, if you agree to indemnify a supplier or waive a right or assume that you will be responsible for your own risks of getting hurt, that clause is actually, it, it cannot be enforced. And in my opinion, that's exactly what an exemption clause does. Mm. You waive your right. You're not allowed to go and claim from this guy anymore because of this clause. And I think, although this obviously has not yet been decided, but I think that the future of exemption clauses are on the line. Absolutely. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. Uh, you take your kid uh, for, for, for lessons, swimming lessons. They make you sign. I mean, I took my little boy there. There's an indemnity again, you know, that I will not uh, sue them. It, it goes into th- 10 pages. Yeah, I know. Doesn't, it's, you know crazy. it's crazy. So what I did is I just put there gross negligence is uh, excluded. I guess you can never contract out a gross negligence, and uh, that's another issue. That, that's exactly the argument that I'm yeah. uh, that I would forward. You know, if yeah. if they had now like lifeguards all over the place, mm-hmm. and yeah. your 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 kid unfortunately drowns, yeah. um, and they tried to save it, and they you know, they tried to save your kid, and they try to resuscitate, and they did everything they could mm-hmm. to to save your kid, and maybe you might not be, they might not be hard liable, but if you know they didn't have security guards, no warnings of a deep end, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't provide your kid with proper supervision, then I. My opinion that is they can't contract out of that. that you know, gross negligence, gross negligence. In my opinion, is it's, they need to be aware of it and they must take steps to ensure that they are acting reasonably. A lot of consumers out there take advantage of suppliers. That's the other side of the coin. Um, they know that the certain conditions, but they make like they don't know and they will not even consider that there probably is something like that. And then when all hell breaks loose, they say, "But I didn't know about it." 
Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Like, yes. Um, we, we, we try to be a little sharp <laughs> as well as consumers. Do you yes. agree with it? No, I mean, do. you know when something looks too good, too to, good be to be true, true, you know what the answer is. Yes. So when you see uncapped and this and that, just check it out and read your darn conditions or just see what the, the thing is about before you get too excited. But, right? uh, but on the other side, yeah. Gary, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Shouldn't the service provider actually make it so uh, doable that People can actually understand it. In some of these contracts, they become very, very difficult to understand because the structuring, the language, it's totally different from the day-to-day language. So if you are going to be using jargons, and I'm not very familiar with legal jargons, how else am I going to be actually saying I understand? Because I'm excited of actually getting Well, a lot of these thinking. things, lines are not legal jargon. A lot of them are, fa- are facts, and a lot of them are consumer-related issues. You know, there's uncapped data, and, you know, just check out what it really is and what it really means before you get too excited afterwards. Because to get a, a retailer or a, consu- a, a supplier to reverse the contract is very difficult. There's one one question I'd like to deal with. Mm. Um that comes off legal talk. It comes from a lass called Ashley. She says, I recently purchased clothing online. The clothing didn't fit, so I submitted a return and was told to pay 99 rand to have it collected from me. I eventually asked for a refund. I was informed that 50 rand charge applies to cover the retail's banking and transaction fees. This is in their T's and C's, and I accepted it, they told me. Wow. When I received the refund, I was refunded X. The retailer deducted a further 89 rand, da, 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 um, uh, liable for costs of uh, So she's got a problem with this. Uh, she says that they're deducting stuff and they shouldn't have. Uh, kind of, I haven't read the whole thing, but it goes into. Lines and lines. Just to add yeah. to that, yeah. I actually had a similar. Do you one. know this person? <laughs> <lines? laughs> no, not that one. But I had a situation where I went to a grocery store in yeah. Pretoria to buy yeah. sweets, yeah. and it was a box of uh, Bowens. Yeah. They actually had expired. Uh. And then as I just walked out, and I'm like, uh. "But this is expired." Uh. They're like, "Check. There are T's and C's. We do uh, not accept." No, and I'm like, "Hell yeah, to the no! You right, can't yeah. do that." Uh. So I want new ones, or you refund me. Yeah. Eventually, they. Yeah, well, that decide. one, yeah, is a no-brainer. Yeah, but most people actually. I want to tell you a similar story. I was on. A, I, I flew to America and uh, a, few, a month ago or so, and on an internal flight in the U.S. They gave people nuts and pretzels, and the some of the nuts and pretzels had expired on the airline. And some woman called, I kid you not, she was sitting right next to me. I didn't even pick it up. She called the the person, the air steward, whatever you call them, and she said, listen, this has expired. And he said, I'm terribly sorry, sorry," and he replaced it. In America, I'm sure they could be sued for millions. Yeah, Yeah. it's exactly. Let's go back to uh, Ashley's problem about the T's and C's and refund of stuff. Handling fees that they charge you as well. So, um, uh, if I remember correctly, she purchased it online. So, that's not exactly what happened with the ticket case. It's not online purchase. She didn't sign anything, but she agreed to it. But I think now under the Consumer Protection Act, I think she might be able to you know, just go to the ASA and say, listen, or to them themselves and say, listen, guys, you guys never told me this before I purchased this stuff. Or when I asked for the refund, if I remember correctly, she submitted the refund first and then they decided. Mm-hmm. When you submit it, in my opinion, you know, they should rather just tell her, listen, there are certain fees you might be held liable for because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And if they do that, then, and if she still refunds it, then, yeah, she'll be liable to to, to pay that and if they had put it up there and it was legible and she didn't read it then I, I guess it might be her fault um, 
because she didn't read it. It was there for her. But if it's not there and it's not explained to her, I, I would assume she would be. She shouldn't be charged that she should be able to claim that money back. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to ask you this. If then I get a phone call from a service provider willing to give me a cell phone on contract and they simply tell me all about the good side of it, but they never actually tell me about the terms and conditions and I fall for the good side where I actually agree to the, uh, to then getting a contract, but later, then I get to be told whenever I have a problem with the con- uh, with the phone that there are terms and conditions where I actually have to be paying handling fees and all those things. Is it really something that I can challenge in law or not? Um, exactly. I think you would. Um, in my opinion, with a cell phone contract, for example, if there's something that's hefty inside there that, you know, if you knew it, you wouldn't have signed that contract. They should tell you that from from the beginning. Um, listen, there is a fair usage policy or your data gets doesn't get rolled over. For example, they should let you know before you sign that agreement. Um, otherwise, you will be able. To, you've got a foot in law then to either cancel the agreement or say, "Listen, I want my refund." Yeah. You know, the law's all very well. It's the practical side. I mean, yes. we, we're giving you the law. The Consumer Protection Act is a great piece of legislation. Go and report it to the consumer tr- tribunals, and that will take you forever to get this. Months, happen. months, yeah. months, yeah. months no, and it, months. It, it, it will There's be. such a backlog there, yes. and I that's don't un- th- yeah, that's unfortunately the nature of the beast. Yeah. I, I think you know, uh, although the ASA, I feel, is is, is quite on top of it. Um, they 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 quite quick on the responses not at all times but they they mostly are so i think it's i think that is definitely an avenue for consumers to consider if they feel aggrieved by an advert someone yeah. did something quite funny they put in uh, some clause into their terms and conditions just as to to show that people don't read these things it's called a herod h e r o d clause when you tick the box the recipient agrees to assign their firstborn child to us for the duration of eternity and that's what people was <laughs> ticking <laughs> so there you go oh my goodness no wonder you were you were given uh, Cum laude for uh, your two degrees. You're very smart. Uh, you know your stuff. It's been so interesting. Many thanks, Sergio De Santos, candidate attorney. To to all our candidate attorneys that are listening, please come forward. Uh, if you're as smart as Sergio, we'll we'll bring you in. Certainly. And you can give us the topic. Thank yeah. you very much, Gary and yeah. uh, Lionel. Thank you very much. Thank it's you. Been great. Yeah. Speak to you again. Cheers. Cheers. This is CliffCentral.com.